Today's podcast brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis. Hello, I'm Kerry Lonigan. Welcome again. You're on the grill for Beef Central. Today's podcast guest is not long in the job, riding point for one of Australia's big achievers in the tough world of red meat exports. It's a big Beef Central hello to the relatively new General Manager of Marketing and Innovation for the Stockyard Beef Company, Lisa Sharp. Welcome, and you're on the grill with Beef Central. Thanks, Kerry. Lovely to be here. Now, Lisa, Stockyard, outstanding reputation in countries around the world, built over many years. How do you market products and a company which is already clearly and hugely successful? Great question, Kerry. You know, markets and market segments, customers and consumers, they don't stand still. And, you know, what's been part of Stockyard's, you know, success story in the past provides a wonderful platform for us. But part of how we market Stockyard is to really close to those markets and those segments and understand, you know, what's changing. And that's, I've been part of Stockyard's success. And for us, really understanding those nuances about not just delivering the rational attributes our customers and consumers are looking for, but telling our story and evolving that story as what interests consumers um, perhaps changes. It is a great story, Stockyard. We'll get to that uh, very shortly. But first, let's have the Lisa Sharp story. Your working life began with an economics degree. I I assume it helps in a broad sense, but you steered yourself into marketing. Was economics so dull? (laughs) I suspect marketing would have been much more exciting. Was that the story? Oh, look, possibly one of the challenges for me studying economics was a basic principle that um, all human beings are rational. And so much of economic modelling is starting from that premise. Oh, look, I, uh, I'm i not sure what drew me to marketing. I sort of fell into it by accident. And it was quite a joy to look at the art and the science aspects of marketing. Um, you know, looking at the data, looking at those trends, asking yourself those where to play and how to win questions. So there's that sort of science side. But then there's the art that comes with marketing, you know, the, the storytelling, how you present your product, advertising, and, and building an emotional connection. And Kerry, for me, it's proven to be almost a, a lifelong love affair with marketing. And I love how the science and the art come together. Lisa, you have some big names on your CV, and they all have that acronym FMCG on them, Fast Moving Consumer Goods. Let's go through a, a few of them. The Craft Company. Big, big company, mind you. Anything particularly that you stuck with you from Kraft? Yeah, it's a great question. It's certainly going back a few years now. You know, I, I think one thing that I really learned from my time at Kraft is when there's a, perhaps a setback, um, when a, a launch doesn't go as planned or a, a program was not as successful, they really prided themselves on everything we do. You know, we, we stop, we review, we learn. And we take those learnings moving moving forward. Um, they really had a very strong, really strong focus on um, a learning orientation, and and of course some wonderful iconic Australian brands. So a, you know, a privilege to work on uh, on some of those Australian brands. And they sold by Gwen, didn't they? Vegemite. They've sold it to uh, Bigger Cheese, which I thought was extraordinary. But good luck to Bigger. <laughs> a good acquisition, one would expect. Now, Uncle Toby's, uh, you were a senior, had a senior position there. Uncle Toby's, I think I'm right in saying it's built 
a very, very strong reputation on supply integrity. Is, is, would that be a fair comment? Yeah, look, during my time with Uncle Toby's, it was uh, making that transition from uh, privately owned to uh, being part of a, a multinational. But throughout that journey, really understanding the importance of the sort of the integrity, you know, of the, the raw materials, you know, and wonderful, um, a, a significant part of their portfolio then was um, all Australian Australian products and, and sourced within the region. But I think some of my fondest memories of Uncle Toby's, you know, as an Australian brand was really wanting to get underneath what mattered to the consumer. And I think Uncle Toby's were well ahead of their time, Kerry, in inviting consumers to help design products with us. Uh, you know, we had a, a small facility and you'd bring in mums and kids and you would design the next flavour of muesli bars together or, or the next combination cereal. And through that time at Uncle Toby's, uh, it's where I really started to unpack sensory and sensory profiling and, you know, the nuances between crisp and crunch and, you know, product formulations um, in fast-moving consumer goods, you know, can be copied. But understanding when you start to have those types of, you know, descriptions and how you bring it all together, you know, that's, that's that art science of marketing. So Uncle Toby's a wonderful consumer-centric business um, and because they're a locally owned brand, a really rare opportunity to create create products and campaigns here in Australia. And you had a stint at the big one, Coca-Cola. Surely here is a product which uh, sold itself. And, um, they, uh, how do you market Coke apart from spending gazillions on television advertising? There are many books that have been written uh, about the success of uh, the bubbly soft drink company. And one thing that really struck me about my time with Coke was it was a business that really understood the inherent benefit of its product, which was around refreshment and understanding that you may only, there's that moment when a person's seeking refreshment and that you need to be the beverage that's within that arm's reach of desire. So a big part of the, the Coke success Coca-Cola success is around the might of distribution, you know, 16 points of engagement within a retail outlet, you know, multiple facings within milk bars and, and fish and chip shops. So really, I'm in absolute awe of their distribution might, but also understanding that consumer um, preferences um, may change and evolve and, and evolving their portfolio, introduction of flavours, you know, introduction of maybe, you know, lower calorie uh, drinks. That's a credit to them, you know, look, always looking forward yes. um, and understanding where those next opportunities might be. Uh, and of course, long before your time, Coca-Cola made one of the biggest ever uh, marketing mistakes in corporate history when they launched New Coke. Uh, New Coke did reveal, in fact, that no matter how big you are, you can make marketing boo-boos. Yeah, look, I think you're never going to go forward as a, as a company or a brand if you don't, you know, you, you're going to try new things. And you can undertake extensive research, Kerry. Um, And, you know, I I know when I worked with Coke, you know, one of my research projects involved me, you know, going out with a bunch of university students and shadowing a day in their life. And and you you try to unpack behaviours, motivations, but you can do all the research in the world and, um, you know, it, it doesn't always land. And, again, those companies that stop and try and unpack will, what, what did they tell us in research and what did they actually do and what can we learn from that? Are, are the ones who will um, who will move forward from those types of, um, and, and yeah, be, boo-boos and, who use your expression. And be, don't have 100% faith in your research. Be careful. So now with Stockout, 
you're, yes. you're not marketing to consumers directly here per se. You, I assume, are now marketing to high-end importers from uh, around the, across the globe. Yeah, look, I, I can't reveal too many too many trade secrets, but much of Stockyard's uh, success uh, has been through that um, business-to-business marketing, and you know, in, and working in partnership with distributors, um, you know, r- uh, right around right around the world. So that has been a part of our focus. A number of our partners and distributors, though, do have specialty retail presence, uh, Kerry. So we do see opportunities to build um, consumer connections uh, with the Stockyard brand, and that's uh, certainly something that excites me uh, as, as someone whose career has involved business-to-business marketing, but lots of consumer marketing. Does uh, Stockyard have a secret marketing button that that's pushed that might trigger the response of a buyer overseas? <laughs> Again, I can't give away any trade secrets. <laughs> I guess it's establishing relationships, and you have been in business. The company has been in business a, a long time, uh, especially yeah. in Asia. Yeah, uh, be, to be successful, um, you know, the, the minimum requirement is you need to have a, a product that absolutely delivers what it, its promise, you know, what it says it will deliver. Um, in our case, you know, some beautiful, um, high-quality, highly marbled, you know, beef by way of, by way of example. Um, you need to have a customer, and of course, you need, in terms of sort of operations and logistics, you need to be able to get you know that beautiful um, premium product you know to market in the best possible format. The relationships with customers are, are critically important, um, you know, for any Australian brand who is exporting, and so that investment in building not just a um, a business to business relationship, but a real partnership. And Stockyard is a family business, and I know that we do consider many of our distributors as uh, family, and so we, you know, we really, really investing in those more intimate relationships becomes very important um, as part of the, the success story. These markets, as you know, constantly evolve and change. What's what's changing at present? It is a is it a taste thing or a price thing? What what's going on in the markets at present? One of the changes that that we're seeing is distributors and end users really wanting to, to continue to know more about um, the product and and production uh, and wanting to know more about you know even you know that the people behind the product and and production so you know that both can be as, as simple as talking about the place you know where the you know where our pastoral operations are you know where the, where the feed lot is you know through to the sorts of um, certifications that we have to underpin the the integrity of the product. So I think, Kerry, probably one of the changes we're seeing, the sort of new change um, is that growing interest in tell me more, you know, tell me more about your business, um, tell me more about what what makes this product what it is. Yes. And in some cases, if your customers are maybe multinationals um, listed on the stock exchange, uh, yeah, wanting, you know, also wanting more information and sometimes more evidence around um, your production practices. Yeah, and the integrity of your supply, is that in question now more than it ever has been? We are in, you know, we're in the food business and I've worked for many food and beverage brands over the years and, you know, you, you do want to understand everything that goes into, you know, the, the product that um, you're ultimately presenting to consumers. But it is certainly something that, that we're, we're asked for and we're all, you know, we, we invest in many different certifications. Uh, but just perhaps as there are, you know, more of our end users are a part of publicly listed companies. It's not just 
saying what you do. It's being able to, to show that you have a framework, um, that you are measuring, uh, that you're independently audited. I think it is true across food businesses. Um, we're certainly being asked, you know, questions about, you know, sourcing country country of origin of materials. Um, you know, in recent times, you know, we've we've also been asked to um, sign declarations around, you know, some of those social issues um, such as modern slavery. So, I think it's just a it's ever evolving uh, some of those customer expectations, Kerry. And animal welfare, I mean, even the EU is particularly strong in this area, but it's a growing trend, isn't it, that you must subscribe and adhere to certain levels of animal welfare? Technology, Kerry, I I think is part of why we are seeing um, so much more curiosity um, and and indeed questions about production practices. Um, It's become so much easier for, for, for consumers who want to know more, yeah, to be able to find out more. So I think it's just, you know, sustainability was one of the, the biggest mega trends of the noughties, uh, certainly of this dec- uh, the last decade, and I, I don't see that, that interest in sustainable practices. And if anything, I see that definition of sustainability broadening. Yes. Um, it's not just about uh, environment and stewardship of the natural resource base. It is absolutely around animal welfare and animal well-being. And then, as we're increasingly saying, well, what about the people and community? What are you know? What are, what are we? Um, any brand owner, um, any company, you know, what are we committed to in this space? Um, how do we measure ourselves, and how can we show progress? I don't believe people expect perfection overnight, but we, I think, increasingly will see questions being asked, and and that we can measure and and demonstrate progress. And the carbon question. I mean, uh, your organisation, Stockyard. You subscribe to the MLA edict of uh, carbon neutral by 2030, and what what is Stockyard particularly doing about this? Yeah, look, we there are we certainly are, are, are committed to being in, environmentally, you know, neutral and, and working towards uh, that goal. I mean, we have a there's no one pathway uh, to achieve that, but we're certainly um, active with feed efficiency trials. You know, we're looking at you know different genetics that really can help us produce highly marbled beef, you know, with, with the least amount of feed and, you know, really looking at how we can lower our, our footprint that way. Um, we are uh, hosting uh, the asparagosis trial uh, at um, Kerwee Feedlot, um, which also, you know, presents a, a significant opportunity uh, for um, uh, a reduction in emissions. But it's across um, our, our programs around um, energy and, you know, energy and water use. It's certainly around what we're yes. doing uh I think I can look at probably seven or eight different programs across um, stockyards right now with a, with, a, with a focus on environment and then a, a couple that specifically focus on emissions. And that uh, 15 or 20 years ago it would have been a much, much, more, much lower level of focus, wouldn't it? Look, I wasn't here 15 or, or 20 years ago, but I, I spoke about that broader de- definition of sustainability and, you know, what's critically important is economic sustainability my observation across a range of pastoral practices and, and, and you know, successful businesses is that we've been doing a lot of this for a long time. Yeah. You know, if we think about cattle production, it, it starts with fertility, um, you know, getting that live calf on the ground. It's, it's looking at how we can optimise target weights. It's, it's rotating on our pastures. So I think a lot of what 
you know, our wonderful beef producers have been doing for a long time. It's innate, these sort of, you know, caring for our environment. You know, we wouldn't be um, in business. We wouldn't have that economic sustainability if we didn't. But there's no doubt um, we are increasingly, you know, more questions are being asked. And as I said, being able to set some goals and be able to demonstrate progress to those goals, um, you know, is important. It's important to those who invest in, in the beef cattle industry and it is important to our customers and it's important to, you know, to a growing number of consumers or they're, they're certainly curious about it. Time for a break and a word from our sponsors back in a moment. Breathe easy with Rhinogard, the only single-dose intranasal vaccine for control of IBR in your cattle. Get in control of bovine respiratory disease, that's BRD, before it begins. Just deliver a single intranasal spray of Rhinogard for rapid IBR control and add a single dose of Bovishield MH1 for protection against pneumonia. For rapid protection against MH and IBR in your weaners and pre-feedlot cattle, breathe easy with Bovishield and Rhinogard. Available from your local vet today. For over 180 years, Elders has proudly been supporting Australian livestock producers. Elders supports your business across the production cycle with more than 350 livestock agents, access to specialist livestock advice and auction services. Draw on our established relationships to buy and sell commercial and stud livestock across domestic and international markets. Enjoy Del Credere guaranteed payments when you sell with Elders. Livestock funding also available subject to approval. Elders for Australian agriculture. Welcome back. Lisa Sharp is our guest today. She is the General Manager of Marketing and Innovation for the Stockyard Beef Company. Lisa, Stockyard has an extraordinary uh, export ratio, 92.5% of what you produce goes overseas. Uh, is that a concern or is it always a, uh, a level of which you're, ha- you're happy and you just look for further markets overseas rather than maybe looking inwards at, at the domestic uh, market possibly? Before, Kerry, you asked me a little bit about working for the um, Bubbly Soft Drink Company and I was reflecting that one thing they do very, very well is have a really good portfolio balance, whether that was in the beverage type or the, the markets and segments they operated in. As I mentioned, things, things are always evolving and changing and I think for Stockyard it is about having a, a, you know, a, a portfolio that's across markets um, and, and we have had that export focus. We do have um, sort of a, a, a growing footprint um, here in the domestic market, and, and that's exciting. But we'll continue to look at our portfolio market and segments, and um, you know, really just making sure that you know we understand, yeah, those those wonderful segments that um, really covet our wonderful article. Lisa uh, Stockyard, of course, is already EU accredited. That means you can immediately export with that new quota into the UK. I would put you in the driver's seat, in fact, for access to the UK market. Is that one of your goals or targets at the moment? Oh, look, I don't think there would be too many um, premium branded beef companies uh, in Australia, Kerry, who were not thrilled with the news of um, access to the to the UK. So, um, yeah, we've, we've had some involvement with, uh, as you say, the EU, and, um, and we're certainly looking forward to what those opportunities um, might be in the UK. I think we've seen it said publicly in recent occasions that it will take time, but it's certainly exciting to see another you know, high-value market open up um, for the Australian, uh, Australian beef industry, and 
I'm sure Stockyard will, um, would, yeah, would certainly like to be to be part of that, particularly, you know, in, in the segments where we do have some experience. Yes, indeed. Now, look, I have to stay, say, uh, Stockyard has had outstanding success with its Wagyu, and I couldn't let this uh, podcast go by by without mentioning four more medals at the recent Wagyu Awards. Twenty three medals in four years. It's an outstanding uh, award rate for for Stockyard. Yeah, I look. You know, you ask about sort of the, the secret sauce, everything that happens from pastoral operations to, to the sort of you know, carefully developed rations, the way the, the way the team raise and care for the cattle and just that consistency is extraordinary, Terry. I, it's just a, it's a credit to, you know, our, our, our producers and a credit to the team. And we understand over time Australia's most awarded beef and, yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling the pressure at all, Kerry, about being part of this team. <laughs> uh, do you? Do you? The popular term at the moment in marketing, influences, is a. It's a contemporary word in marketing. Do you use influences in selling stockyard beef? Yeah, it's it's become increasingly popular. Consumers and, and dare I say, you know, uh, viewers in in recent years, they understand that often, not in all cases, but sometimes influences are paid to play or, or paid to comment. Yeah. I think the stockyard approach as as is the case for, you know, I think um, branded many branded businesses is, you know, where are their where is their sort of genuine alignment and affiliation, you know, with, with your product. Um, we do enjoy some wonderful collaborations with, with chefs across many markets. So I guess yeah, influencers yes, have yeah. have a role to play, but for us it really is yeah, looking for you know that genuine collaboration because I think you know consumers can see through yeah you know can see through things that aren't that aren't aren't real. So for us, it's about meaningful collaboration and hopefully our, our story you know um, starts to tell itself um, you know through those uh, through that. Finally, Lisa, you are marketing some of Australia's best beef to the world. Are you in charge of your barbecue at home? <laughs> No, I'm not, Terry. Um, I, need, I might Good need to make uh, phone calls and uh, and say, look, this, uh, it's it's now time to hand over the uh, hand over the tongs. <laughs> and, and how do you like your steak? I have to ask this. <laughs> of course, you do. Um, rare medium. Rare medium. <laughs> oh, not medium rare. Well, that's a change anyway. Lisa, Lisa Sharp, <laughs> General Manager of Marketing and Innovation for the Stockyard Beef Company. Thank you so much. A delight to have you on the grill for Beef Central. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thank you for joining me today. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed on The Weekly Grill, email theweeklygrill at beefcentral.com. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is The Weekly Grill brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis.